of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Cavs head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, and you're listening to the Kenny and J.T. Show on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Yeah, that's right. We're big time, man. Coach dropping a little uh, uh, promotion there for us here on the Kenny and J.T. Show. We appreciate that very much, J.B., and the job he's done so far this year, as well as his team outstanding, 16-9 and overall. That's third best in the Eastern Conference, fifth best record in the entire NBA through the first 25 games. And a big win last night for the Cavaliers at home to go to 11-1 and as they beat LeBron and the Lakers, sweeping LeBron for the first time ever when he didn't play for the Cavaliers. And the guy who was there to take it all in and break it all down for us right now joins us on the hotline. Outstanding Cavaliers beat reporter, Cleveland.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris Fedor. He is Chris Fedor. How are you today, CFED? Kenny, JT, I'm great. How are you guys? We're good, man. Thanks for making time for us. And let's start with the atmosphere last night, Chris. Yeah. Uh, what was it like with LeBron coming home yet once again? And I was surprised they had another tribute video for him. So take us through that first. Well, LeBron was surprised they had another tribute video <laughs> for him. I think I was surprised they had another tribute video for him. And other media members were surprised as well because it feels like we've done it. Right. Like, I mean, this isn't the first time that he's come back as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. But I think the Cavs are aware that if they don't do a tribute video, if they don't honor LeBron in some way every time he comes back, you know, that's going to get people talking. That's going to paint them in a bad light. That's going to start to ask questions about what kind of standing does LeBron have with the organization? Mm -hmm. Does the organization not value the things that he did for them and all that kind of stuff? And I think they wanted to avoid that. I heard but the that. Was great. Yeah, Chris, I heard that. I don't mean to cut you off. That I, I heard something to that effect because I wanted to go back and Google it. And I wanted to watch it myself because they had said yep. it during the broadcast. We didn't get to see it. But they said one of the reasons was because there might still be hard feelings between LeBron James and Dan Gilbert. Is that still the case? I don't know that there are, but I don't think you want to add any potential ones. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's unnecessary to do that. Um, LeBron meant a lot for the city. He meant a lot for the organization, a big reason why the Cavs are where they are, a big reason why they have the reputation around the NBA that they do is because of LeBron and the things that he brought to the organization. So I'm not sure exactly what the feelings are on either side. I haven't really dug into that on either side. But I think if you start doing some things that, that would capture people's attention in a negative way, then you could start to have those yeah. kinds of feelings. And I think avoiding that is a good idea. Um, and, and I think you can tell every time LeBron comes back with the Lakers, you can tell the appreciation that the organization has for him, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And you can tell the appreciation that the fan base has for him, rightfully so. But well, he got a standing ovation right. last night at the end of that tribute video. There are very few opponents that are going to get the level of treatment that LeBron gets when he comes back to Cleveland, but there are also very few opponents that deserve that level of treatment. 
Now, we know he didn't like the idea of being the villain when he'd come back to town, but please tell us they're not dangling this out in front of LeBron James in hopes that they bring him back a third time. Look, I mean, the Cavs aren't in a situation where they need LeBron to come back and save them. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about where they were um, in 2014 when he was a free agent, when he was looking around, when he was considering all of his options, including coming back to Cleveland, a big part of their plan was, LeBron, come back and save us. We need you because, yeah, we might have some young pieces, but we're not going to get to the level that we want to get to as an organization without you, and there's a recognition from us that we're not going to get to that point. This organization and this talent level that they have and the way that they're operating, they feel good about what they have for now and what they have for the future. So they're not sitting here saying, LeBron, come back and save us. We can't possibly be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference without you. But look, like if LeBron would want to come back to Cleveland, the Cavs are also like aren't in a situation where they can just turn their back on that level of talent. He's still one of the best, most impactful players in the NBA. Yeah. And if he's willing to come back under the Cavs' terms, different terms than in the past, then, yeah, I think they would be willing to explore that. But it's not like they're going to break up everything that they have going here because they're desperate for LeBron the way that they've been desperate for LeBron in the past. There's no need for them to be that level of desperate. Chris Fedor, our guest, Outstanding Cavs Beat Reporter, Cleveland.com. Well, LeBron comes back, but it was Donovan Mitchell who stole the mm. show last night, Chris. 43.6 rebounds, 5 assists. He took over the game in the fourth quarter after the Lakers came back to take the lead. Uh, did you expect him to be this impactful this soon for the Cavaliers? And did you know he had this type of game? I did not. I looked at him as an all-star, not a superstar. Now I'm looking at him trending towards being a superstar in this league. I wrote it about a month, month and a half ago that this isn't the Donovan Mitchell that the Cavs expected. This is a better version of the Donovan Mitchell that they expected. Even the Cavs are surprised at the level that Donovan has reached for them. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody knew his scoring potential. Everybody knew that he captured all-stars while he was in Utah, and he led the Jazz to the playoffs each and every season of his career. That spoke volumes. But this version that the Cavs have gotten, this is the best version of Donovan Mitchell. Like, this is the guy who took over the playoffs in the bubble when he went toe-to-toe with Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets in that series that was so, so memorable. This is a guy who was having a career year. His points per game, his shooting percentage, his three-point percentage, all of those are career highs. And I've talked to a lot of people that know Donovan really, really well, and I've talked to Donovan himself about this. And he will say he has never been happier in his career. I think... The, the, the constant questions about his relationship with Rudy Gobert, I think those bothered him. I think his relationship with Rudy Gobert was complicated. I think his relationship with the fan base in Salt Lake City was complicated because that's a different bunch there. And, and some of the comments that he made early in his career rubbed them the wrong way. And then in turn, that rubbed him the wrong way. And I just think the, the, the Donovan Mitchell that the Cavs have um, is unburdened. I think the Donovan Mitchell that the Cavs have is playing with a level of freedom, and he's playing with a talent base with Jared Allen, alongside Darius Garland, with Evan Mobley, that one, he believes in, 
and two, that have empowered him to just be him. Forget all that other nonsense that he had to deal with in Utah. Just be you. And this version of Donovan um, has been more than even the Cavs thought they were going to get when they traded for him. He's in the MVP conversation early on in this season. I didn't expect that. I don't think the Cavs expected that. But they'll certainly take it. And when you have a guy playing at that kind of level and doing what he did last night on the biggest stage against LeBron for LeBron's homecoming, it just gives the entire locker room a different level of belief. Like, they won 44 games last year and got to the play-in tournament, and they believed in what they were building. And they believed that they were coming into this year with unfinished business. But there's a different level of belief when you have that kind of guy on your side who can do the things that he has done throughout the course of this season and when he can go toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Giannis and LeBron. Like, that gives an organization in a locker room a different level of belief and hope. Chris, last night the shooting wasn't stellar. I mean, in the paint we were great. Three-point shooting's been kind of rocky, so to speak, the last couple of weeks, actually. They shoot 26% from three. I look at this team and I say, okay, if the bench doesn't score from three, it could be a problem, and obviously it's, it looks like a weakness. Is it, A, because of the health of these guys, and we look for Ricky Rubio to make things a little bit better, or, B, should they be looking for something come trade deadline? The answer to that question, JT, is yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, the depth has become a bigger issue because some of the guys that they're missing – um, but they also have a weak point on this roster. It's the same weak point that they've had for the last couple of years. Everybody in the organization knows it. Everybody in the fan base knows it. Everybody in the media knows it. Um, their small forward spot is a problem. They're starting Lamar Stevens at small forward. This is a playoff team. This is a team with playoff aspirations. They're starting Lamar Stevens at small forward. And if it's not him, it's going to be Dean Wade. And if it's not him, it's going to be Isaac Okoro. And for all the things that, that you could argue that each one of those guys brings to the Cavs that makes them make sense in the starting lineup based on their options, like none of those guys are really starting caliber small forwards. And when you get into a seven-game playoff series, that weakness is probably going to get exposed by the upper echelon teams, Milwaukee, Boston, whoever else you want to put in there when talking about the Eastern Conference hierarchy. So, look, I mean – the Cavs are going to continue to explore the possibility of improving that position. Um, one, it's going to be really, really costly. Two, they don't have a ton of trade capital because of what they gave up in order to get Donovan Mitchell. Um, and, and three, like some of the guys who were thought to be available, example Harrison Barnes, aren't as available because the team that they're playing on is either overachieving, has expectations, um, wants to get to the playoffs, different motivation, things along those lines. Um, and I think the reality is, like, when the Cavs came into the season, guys, they had 14 on their roster in terms of NBA players on their roster. They kept an open roster spot. They did that on purpose. But then Ricky Rubio was number 13, and he hasn't played yet. Dylan Windler was number 12, and he's been available for one game so far this year. And then if you start going down the list, when you're asking guy 11, 12, 13 to give you more minutes than what you thought you were going to ask coming into this year, and you're starting to ask them to do
do a little bit more than what they're capable of doing, it's not going to look as good. Like, if Isaac Okoro is going to play 15 to 18 minutes a night, like, maybe that's the right role for him on, on this team with his skill set and at this stage of his development. But if you're going to ask him to play 28 to 30, he's going to get exposed, and the Cavs are going to get exposed. So it's obviously something that they have to figure out. They know that they have to figure it out. And around the time of the trade deadline, I would expect the Cavs to search under every rock for a two-way wing that can knock down threes and, and, and space the floor in a way that Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okoro, and some of their other options can't. Chris Fedor, I've got an idea. We get a look at All Harrison right. Barnes on Friday. We keep him like we kept Lavert last year. When the Pacers <laughs> came to town, we never gave him back, right? Yeah. So the problem with Harrison Barnes, first of all, for the last couple of years, like Harrison Barnes has been quote-unquote available. But the asking price for Harrison Barnes has been ridiculous. It's been a first-round pick plus. And that's when the Kings were bad, Mm. right? They're in the thick of the playoff race. They haven't been to the playoffs in like 15, 16 years. So trading away a key piece of that team, um, a veteran with that playoff-level experience, a guy who can space the floor, a guy who can create his own, like a guy who fills in a lot of the gaps for the Kings. Um, It's going to be hard for them to justify that kind of move when they're chasing a playoff spot. The other thing is Harrison Barnes, before going to Sacramento and before he was with the Dallas Mavericks, was with the Golden State Warriors. And Mike Brown is now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, and he was with the Warriors. So, like, of all the guys who has information about what Harrison Barnes can and can't do and the things that he can bring to a locker room that are very, very beneficial for a team that's trying to take that next step, like Mike Brown knows that really, really well. He's gotten that information, that intel from his people in Golden State. And I just don't get the sense that Sacramento has any interest in trading Harrison Barnes away unless they get completely blown away by an offer. And the Cavs are just not in position based on the lack of assets that they have to blow away a team like the Kings with Harrison Barnes off. Chris Fedor, our guest, talking Cavs basketball. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Fedor. Read him at Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Chris, uh, great article. Um, I'm not sure when you wrote it, but it was about Giannis Antetokounmpo, your walk out of the building with Giannis after the Cavs played them about Evan Mobley. So here's my question to you. Um, and uh, some high praise from Giannis about Mobley. But with Donovan Mitchell coming here, is that going to slow the development down of an Evan Mobley? Yeah, it's something that the Cavs are trying to figure out right now, guys, and I think you saw it a little bit last night. There's only so many mouths to feed when you're talking about, like, usage rate, touches, shot attempts. The offense is going to run through Darius Garland. And, and Donovan Mitchell. And, and Jared Allen is going to be heavily involved in the offense as a screener, as a roller, as a lob threat. And, and there just isn't a ton of room when thinking about that to involve Evan Mobley to that kind of level. Now, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because they don't have to rush it. They don't have to start using him in a way that might make him uncomfortable. They don't have to ask him to be Mr. Everything early in his career with the touches, with the shot attempts, and just do everything possible on a bad team that has no expectations of getting to the playoffs. 
But I think it can also be bad because sometimes he gets lost. Um, his best game so far this year, the stretch that he was just on, came with Jared Allen sidelined. He was playing center. He was getting all the rebounds. He was getting all the big man touches. He was getting a lot of opportunities that he doesn't get as readily when it's Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, and Jared Allen, and the offense is funneling through them. So I think it can be tough for him to develop the same kind of way. But the thing that I'll say is this. Even if he doesn't have the gaudy number, even if he's not racking up all these double-doubles because the shot opportunities and the touches aren't there for him, the impact that he has on a nightly basis, a possession-to-possession basis, is very, very difficult to quantify. You know, there are numbers that point to how much value a guy brings to the table, and those can be funky, and they can be wonky, and you don't want to say that they're the end-all, be-all, right? But in terms of, like, defensive impact numbers, very few guys are impacting the defensive end of the floor the way that Evan Mobley is. So even if he doesn't have the big-time offensive numbers, his impact is felt. And I think that's the most important way to judge Evan, especially at this stage of his career, especially when you understand that the offense is not funneling through him. Chris, great stuff as always. Keep up the fantastic work at Cleveland.com. We appreciate your time uh, and a happy belated first birthday to son Elliot. I know that was a a great day for you and Holly, so enjoy that uh, while uh, you still can, all right? Yeah, will do. I mean, he changes every single day, and every time I come back from a road trip, he's different than when I left him. So it's going way, way, way too fast for my liking at this point. It's both exciting and sad all at the same time. I hear you, my my friend. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Chris Fedor, Cavs Beat Reporter, Cleveland.com, checking in with us. Follow him on a regular basis every day on Twitter, at Chris Fedor. Come back. We'll talk some Ohio State football with Steve Hellwagon next on the Kenny and JT Show, and still your chance to win a Kenny and JT T-shirt around the corner. Pay attention. It's Kenny and JT on WHBC.